Another edition of Beat the Closing Number presented by TheLines.com. You can follow us on X at TheLinesUS. You can follow Monawara, my co-host, two W's, at Monawara. You can follow me at Eli Herskovich. As always, remember to give the video a thumbs up and ring the bell to get notifications whenever The Lines releases sports betting videos, not just on the NFL. Full season wrapping up, but Brett Gibbons and Kelly Ford are doing a great job getting you ready for the college football playoff and NBA with the Coast to Coast crew and college basketball. I'll be back starting next week with conference play heating up. But Mo, we're heating up in the NFL. At least we're keeping to our name. Good season so far here on Beat the Closing Number 37-21 with spreads and totals. Two and two in week 16. How did your week 16 go? How did your Christmas go since I was off on Monday too? Pretty good. Everything was good. Uh, Strong week for me. It was uh, overdue, probably, uh, to have a, a strong week. But, yeah, some bad numbers, like I told Steven. But they ended up being, like, strong plays, like, really strong plays. So I guess uh, for one week I was sharper than the market. But uh, good Christmas, too. So been been a good few days. Pretty relaxing weekend. Didn't Didn't go too crazy. So no poker, it sounds like. Nah, I'm retired right now, but uh, maybe out of retirement next week. We'll see what happens. <laughs> so a brief retirement, nothing like the or anything like that. Good to hear. And if you decide to tail or fade our bets for week 17, you could use BetMGM promo code the lines one word to get up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. Remember that if your first bet loses, you'll get those bonus bets. So if it wins, you cash your bet and... All is good with that. And remember that bonus bets are not equivalent to real money. And as always, terms and conditions apply. You can check out our bets in real time. Get the best of the number as we try to do so each week in our Discord channel. The link is over at thelines.com in the top right-hand corner. We'll break down our four favorite Week 17 bets. And then we'll be joined by Mitch Moss, the host of Follow the Money Morning Show on VSIN, the first-ever sports betting Network, talk NFL with him, and maybe a little bit of college football playoff too. But Mo, really quick, want to start off with, since the new year is going to be next week, I'll be off, or you'll be off too on New Year's, but I'll be back on next Thursday for the Week 18 edition of Beat the Closing Number. But before 2024, any New Year's betting resolutions for you? Well, I think not really New Year's, but something i started to make sure I was doing a few weeks ago because uh had a few disaster games where I just kept firing live basically be and just being like too stubborn I, I don't even know if it's like stubborn it's just because because like say you are like really confident in an under or whatever right and then there's like an 80 yard touchdown well then you're going to get a really good number right after that so then you're just like okay well let's take the new number since it's a really good number and I like the under and uh it happened in a couple games and uh, I, I think most notable example of this, I've talked about it in the past, but uh, not an NFL game, but cheating scumbag Michigan last year against Ohio State. <laughs> um, just kept firing Ohio State live because I was like, okay, they're eventually going to start throwing the ball and stop plunging into the line. And uh, no, Ryan Day is an idiot, so he punished me. But yeah, I, I think some recent games, I've just been like, okay, you're pretty leveraged on like, I think a good example was um, Bengals Ravens. I just was like, okay, live under has to be good here. I mean, I eventually did like hit a couple live unders. 
I ended up with like four bets or something, you know? And I finally was just like, okay, I'm just going to close the betting app, watch the rest of the game, <laughs> and just let whatever happens, happens. I think that's definitely been something I've been uh, been better about for the past couple months or so. Uh, just something you don't want to just let yourself get buried in one spot, I guess. And it did happen to me in a couple games. Like another one, I think Ravens versus uh, Browns, the game they lost. I fired Ravens several times because at that point, like the Browns had like 60 passing yards and they were still like somehow in the game. And I was like, okay, the Ravens are like moving the ball. They keep kicking field goals. The Browns are just getting short fields and like ripping off some long runs. But Deshaun Watson has, you know, a hundred yards passing going into the fourth quarter. And then it just, they, they played a lot better after that. So like Deshaun actually started playing good and then they won the game. And so uh, that one hurt. And then I was just like, okay, I got to just like stop doing this and, and just get to a point where I'm leveraged enough and just not let it get any farther than that. And I think I've been doing a pretty good job. Sounds like it. It's also tough to stay away live betting wise when it comes to these backup quarterbacks. Hard not to take a live under two, but variance happens. Turnover variance happens as we discuss on each and every week here on Beat the Closing Number. So just because there's turnover variance in a half doesn't mean there's not going to be turnover variance in the second half. Doesn't mean there's not going to be turnover variance for an individual team over the course of a full season. We saw that last year with the Vikings, with all their one-score variants, and it's gone the other direction for them this season. Actually, an NFL high, I think, 39 one-score games since 2021. Pretty wild. But my New Year's betting resolution, especially for the NFL, stop betting unders. You mentioned putting your app away. When it comes to live betting, I need to put my app away or maybe try to X out all the total sections of these caves because I had a good start with totals to begin the NFL season, but unders have not been my friend over the last few weeks. Bucks, Packers, I'm looking at you, combining for 54 points when I had the under 42 and a half, 41 and a half, I want to say. I like the script, the script I came up with leading into the game. Luckily, I did bet that one live and did continue to hammer the under. I took my owl with that, but for a betting resolution for our listeners, viewers, if you're checking out the audio-only edition of Beat the Closing Number on Apple, Spotify, wherever you find your favorite podcast, for Gambling X also, bankroll management, especially around the holidays, maybe you get some extra cash to spend. Just make sure to be diligent when you're trying to bet, not just live, but pre-flop too, because variance is the name of the game, whether it's the NFL Major League Baseball, as you know, Mo, NBA, college basketball, college football, you get unlucky sometimes. And it could sometimes cause betters to go down the deep end and continue to place bets that maybe they weren't looking to make at the beginning of the game or the beginning of the day. So just be careful with that and understand the grind of sports betting is you and I both know, Mo, this can be to the similar notion of bankroll management. Sports betting is tough on you mentally, and you got to just take the losses with the wins. And you can't get on a high when it comes to this stuff. You can't get on a low. You just have to adjust week to week and make sure you correlate those adjustments with your bets. Wins and losses happen. Just be, like I said, be diligent with your sports betting process, right? Yeah, for sure. Uh, that's kind of similar to getting over leveraged on the spot, you know, just... 
like you said, sometimes you just have to just eat the L and, and just you don't even have to watch the rest of the game. Just shut it off and just give yourself some mental peace. Zen Master Monoir at it. But let's get into our Week 17 Betsmo without further ado before we're joined by our guest, Mitch Moss from Beeson in about 15 minutes. Lions at Cowboys, Dallas, five and a half point favorite at home, coming off back to back losses to the Bills and Dolphins. The line is down to five and a half, like I mentioned, as it was sitting at six for much of the week. Total of 53 and a half. How are you betting this one? Yeah, not a whole lot to add on this one for people who listened to the first show this week. I would just say, um, as far as the number goes, I'll just talk a little bit about the number. It did come down, unfortunately. From six and a half, uh, I did mention before that I liked the Lions down to maybe about five because I thought like four, four and a half was a better, a better line. So the market moving that way now, it's just like where would you play it to? I think a cheap five is probably okay, but I definitely wouldn't go past that. Um, and I would definitely try to get a little bit of money line in there as well. Another option here that I like and I did a little bit of today is sell it down to like three and a half and you can probably get a plus number there. So just to summarize what I had said before, as far as this game goes, I, I do think it's a good matchup for the lions um, playing indoors, um, playing against a team that likes to play a lot of man coverage. We've talked about Jared Goff's struggles against zone at times. And Didn't happen last week, unfortunately. <laughs> well, they still got outgained by, by the Vikes, but uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, I like the Lions offensive line here against a pretty weak Dallas front that has been moved around a lot in the running game recently and hasn't got a ton of pressure ranks right, right around the middle of the pack. So uh, only other thing to add really here is uh, one thing I was wrong about last week going into that Dallas game where I definitely expected Tyron Smith to play since he played 100% of snaps in the prior game. Um, he wound up not going and the Dallas offense didn't really look all that good. We have seen that in the past with Tyron Smith's absences, kind of turning Dak into a, a skittish quarterback a little bit back there. And I, I think that was seen in some of those series against Miami. So the Lions can get pressure sometimes, you know. The, Aiden Hutchinson wins up front and... and this that's not like the big problem with their defense, I would say. So maybe that makes a difference if he's out again this week. Just keep an eye on that. But yeah, I, I do like the Lions more for sure. Maybe you can be a little more aggressive, bet this down to like three and a half if he's out. Um, but either way, I think five and a half is still fine. So I, I did put in the five and a half today. And a huge game for both teams. A Dallas trying to get back on track, still with an outside shot of winning the NFC East, and Detroit outside shot too of getting the number one overall seed in the NFC playoff picture. So meaningful game, even though Detroit coming off of a division title clinching win over the Vikings and got a lot of turnover variance. Speaking of positive turnover luck against the Vikings, four Nick Mullins picks. I wasn't on the Monday show, as you alluded to, but man. Watching a wide-open Justin Jefferson if Mullins throws the ball maybe a little bit more on the outside or just hitting the wide-open receiver down the sideline would have been nice, and we probably cash in with our Vikings bet. But 
I have a little bit of a different angle for this game. I don't know if I'm going to bet it. I know the total's gotten bet up to 53 and a half, but if the Cowboys, and now this doesn't necessarily correlate to the script you're looking for, Mo, since you bet the Lions, but Dallas ranks 23rd in the NFL in adjusted pace. And I know Detroit is, I think, top seven, seventh highest adjusted pace, if you understand that verbiage of, of the metric. So if the Cowboys are able to control the script, then maybe we see this one go under, but there are also opportunities for explosive plays with this Cowboys passing attack, which is why I'm a little bit weary of it. Detroit ranks 26th in dropback success rate allowed, and we don't know if line safety C.J. Garner-Johnson is going to be back. So a couple of notes there to keep in mind on the total, but a little bit of a lean to Moe's angle with Lions plus five and a half. And I like your plus money look as well down to plus three and a half. Still a lot to play for, for Detroit. And considering this game is before the Sunday window, one seed certainly up for grabs, theoretically. On to the second game we're going to discuss, Mo. Week 17, bats Saints at Bucks. This line down to Tampa Bay minus two and a half. It's was three earlier in the week. So... The look ahead was Tampa Bay minus one and a half. And we saw the line spike up after the Bucs knocked off Jacksonville at home. They've won four straight. I'm looking to sell Tampa Bay high or at the peak of their market rating. Sell high spot for me on the Bucs. Even though they have a chance to clinch the NFC South with the win over the Saints. So obviously a lot to play for for the Bucs as well. And the Saints are fighting for their playoff lives. They'll need help to get in, whether it's the wild card race or through trying to win the division title, but still a playoff opportunity for the Saints if they win this game. And the Bucs, keep in mind, they've been one of the luckier teams in the NFL. When you look at turnover differential, tied for the best turnover differential in the league at plus 10. And they've gotten their fair share of breaks, whether it's with turnover variance or with their pass defense not being exploited enough. This is a Secondary that ranks bottom 12 in both EPA per dropback allowed and passing success rate. And I get it. It's very difficult to trust Derek Carr as I wrote up in my betting column this week, which you could find over at thelines.com. But you look back at last week, Thursday night, which I lost my Saints bet in that game, but four possessions in Rams territory for the Saints where they didn't score. And you had a egregious drop from Chris Olave in the latter part of the first half that wound up going for a Rams touchdown, I believe, or regardless Rams points right before the half that kind of swung the game. So I think this is a get right spot here for the saints passing attack. If you could stomach betting Derek Carr, especially with Carlton Davis, the Bucks number one cornerback dealing with that concussion and likely out. And then it's not just a sell high spot for the Bucks overall sell high spot for Baker Mayfield, who's been great over his last four games, third best adjusted EPA per drop back during that stretch. But you mentioned golf against man to man versus zone defenses Mayfield going up against a primarily cover three defense, or at least the saints run the uh, cover three at the fifth highest rate across the NFL. And Baker's passer rating dips over 20 points against zone coverage so third best adjusted EPA per drop back during this four-game win streak. But I think we see Mayfield come back down to earth against a pass defense that, yes, doesn't have its number one cornerback either. I think the Saints are able to confuse Mayfield off of the mini bye weeks. You have 10 days to prep for this game. 
And I think New Orleans at least keeps this one close, if not wins the game outright. I would wait to see if this one rises back up to the key number of three, but I still like it down to two. Mo, any takes, any bets for you on this one? Not really. Uh, not a whole lot to add. I, I would say one interesting thing. I, I don't know if this is a high motivation spot for the Bucks. I mean, <laughs> they can actually just win their last game against Carolina, and I, I think this game's irrelevant if the if the New York Times calculator that I was using uh, is correct. So, uh, you are. Yeah, can't argue with your number uh, for sure. But, yeah, the Saints are such a – I know, like, our boss, one of our bosses, Brett Colson, on, you know, when we do gridiron gamble, he's always saying the Falcons are the yo-yo team. You bet the opposite of what – I kind of feel like the Saints are that way too, though. Uh, so every time you start believing, you know, they'll lay an egg. Every time you write them off, they'll play well. So since they were pretty poor last week, uh, in theory, we should maybe see a better game this week. I, I honestly, I've barely watched the Saints, I feel like, the last few weeks, so I don't have a ton to add. Only thing I'm wondering about in this game, which some of what you talked about plays into, the total seems a little bit low to me with some of the Bucks' defensive injuries and how the Saints do, I think, have some beatable corners out there. Uh, both passing games are, you know, put in a position, especially in good weather, playing in Tampa Bay, you know, to potentially have success, but man, it's two coaching staff that I just, especially offensive coaching staffs that I just absolutely hate giving my money to. So, uh, I probably just nothing for me. Well, I'll take the, uh, I'll take the play for the both of us. If you could cheer me on, hopefully. And speaking of the Panthers, uh, potential division clinching opportunity for Tampa Bay, like you mentioned, even if they lose to the saints, Carolina at Jacksonville and, Jacksonville down to a six and a half point home favorite. The line was as high as seven earlier in the week. Low total for this game as well. A bit lower than the Saints box total of 38. And these two teams, believe it or not, when you look at EPA per play, pretty similar since week 13, which goes back to when the Panthers fired Frank Reich in his first season as the Carolina head coach. Jacksonville ranks 20th in EPA per play, offensive EPA per play since that juncture of the season, just four spots ahead of Carolina. Of course, Trevor Lawrence dealing with a knee injury, ankle, concussion, and shoulder injuries since that point in the season, but still concerning. And we mentioned the impact of a banged up Zay Jones too last week, especially with Ridley not being able to play in the slot. So how are you betting Panthers at Jacksmo? Uh, I took some seven with the Panthers. That was the last one that was left on the board. Um, I still think it's fine at six and a half. I don't think I would go much lower than six and a half unless obviously you figure out that Trevor Lawrence is out and you're able to beat the steam. This Jags offense. I mean, we've talked about it a few times just with no outside receivers at this point, it's been pretty broken for the past few weeks. And you have Calvin Ridley unable to really perform on the outside I mean he had a better game this past week but I watched some of that game and I feel like most of his production honestly came in garbage time when they were pretty buried by the Bucks. like that's when he scored that's when he had another one or two medium to long plays I still think he's probably going to be inefficient overall playing on the outside and you add um, a shoulder injury to Trevor Lawrence here and that's in addition to his ankle injury, I think everybody's 
kind of zoning in on the shoulder injury, wondering how that affects him. But I think we need to keep in mind, like, I've sprained my ankle. You know, I obviously Trevor Lawrence is like 10 years younger than me, but you know, it took me like eight months to be good or whatever, you know, so the medical opinion of Mo Noir, how about this is, that? But this is normal. Like people sprain their ankles <laughs> and it takes a long time to, to get right. Like, you know, we see it with basketball players all the time and I don't think we can be confident he's a hundred percent lower body. And now you add a shoulder injury to that. Um, and it would be different maybe if this was a, a team that had some some sort of running game, you know, but the Jaguars cannot block at all up front. I know this very well as a Travis Etienne uh, fantasy owner and very frustrating watch at times watching them try to open holes and just can be completely unable to. So, you know, they don't have anything to fall back on if the passing game isn't working. And and the Panthers D, which I, I was way too high on, I guess, preseason, um, but they have started to play some decent football. If you go back to like basically since their bye, I mean, they've only had two bad games. It was Dallas week 11 and then last week against Green Bay. With this total, I mean, it's just basically like can Bryce Young score 17 points? I think with the way the Jags defense is playing, it's definitely possible. Um, they've actually been worse than Carolina in the second half of the season. So I don't think it's out of line to think the Panthers could have some success. And with a total of 38, you don't need a whole lot here, uh, most likely. Basically, the way I'm looking at this game is there's three scenarios that's going to play out with Trevor Lawrence. I mean, either he's fine, and this is just like a mediocre bet, maybe slightly bad, because like there was look-ahead numbers with the Jags closer to 10. Either So that scenario, then there's like Lawrence is hurt, and he plays hurt, and this is, I think, a good bet. And then there's, like, Lawrence is out, and you're just going to get a ton of CLV no matter what because this is going to close, like, four and a half or something. So uh, I- I'm feeling pretty decent about the Panthers, and even though it's maybe not quite as good now as it was when I got it, I, I still think it's okay to play. Yeah, and you mentioned Jacksonville's defensive regression or just poor play since over the last four weeks or so. They rank, since week 13, number 31 in dropback success rate allowed. But Tyson Campbell and Andre Sisco are expected, reportedly, to get more workload this week, which theoretically gives a little more upside to this defense or just a little bit more bandage on their play of late. And also you're playing Bryce Young against a vulnerable defense, yes, but are they as vulnerable as the Packers in a Joe Barry-led defense? We'll see, especially if Campbell and Cisco are on the field a bit more. I'm just a little bit concerned with this being a bounce back spot for the Jags. I get your point, too, if Lawrence doesn't go and it's C.J. Beathard, but Jacksonville coming off four straight losses. So a huge game for them with the division still up for grabs in the AFC South. On to our final game really quick. Falcons at Bears. Chicago, uh, three-point home favorite, holding steady at that number. Total between 37.5 and 38. Bears have won three of their last four games, so I'm looking to sell high on Chicago. And this defense in particular, allowing the second-fewest EPA per play since Week 9, which goes back to when they traded for Montez Sweat ahead of the NFL trade deadline. And believe it or not, I'm buying into the Falcons' offensive success going back to last week with Taylor Heineke replacing Desmond Ritter. You look at passing net expected points added, so NEP is the acronym. Heineke with 0.15. Passing that per dropback juxtaposed to Ritter, who is below par 
in that metric. So it's not only turnover-worthy plays for Ritter that gives you pause, but Heineke just gives you more of an opportunity for explosive plays, as we saw last week against the Colts. And I get the Falcons are very run-centric, the highest percentage of rushing plays in the NFL. The Bears are right behind Atlanta, actually fourth in the NFL in rushing percentage. But this Atlanta run defense is just as good as Chicago, especially with Anyamata back in the lineup, as we saw last week against Indy and Jonathan Taylor, and that semi-explosive Colts rushing attack. Atlanta allowing the second fewest EPA per carry overall. And if the Falcons can stymie the Bears rushing attack, this sets up similarly to the Bucks and Baker Mayfield against that Falcons defense because Justin Fields really struggles against zone coverage as well. Cover three in particular, the Falcons run cover three at the highest rate in the NFL. So Falcons plus three is a play for me. You mentioned Carolina getting around the key number of seven. Saints, a play for me down to two. And Lions at plus five and a half for you. Now it's time to be joined by Mitch Moss at Mitch Moss Radio on X, the host of Follow the Money on VSIN, the first ever sports betting network. Mitch, happy belated Christmas, merry belated Christmas coming from a Jew. And how has your holiday season been going, whether it's been betting or just spending time with the fam? You know, we went to a uh, Jewish deli on Christmas Day. Very popular, those spots. And they make unbelievable food. It's right down the street. I've had the chicken soup probably, the chicken matzo ball soup probably 10 times. Home run every single time. Bagels are incredible. <laughs> Some of the best in the whole city. So um, pretty good. And a uh, happy new year to you guys as well. Thank you very much. And with the new year coming up next week on Monday, do you have any New Year's betting resolutions, whether it's the NFL or any other sport that you're betting, college football, NBA, whatever it may be? Sure. Uh, one, I'll, I always say this to myself, you know, don't force as many bets. Um, you know, we had some uh, reaction yesterday from our show. We were talking about being careful with betting these bowl games because, I mean, as you guys are aware, the, the point spread movement on the day of, sometimes two to three hours before kickoff, it's been nuts. I mean, that Kansas, you, several examples, right, of games that you've had either huge movement or middle spots of like seven, eight points. So it's it's bonkers and we're talking about that angle and the reaction that we got, you know, it's it's the lunatic fringe. You're going to hear this from only one or two people, but uh, one guy was like, be a man, you sound like a child, make a bet, stick with it. And I'm actually just thinking, I never responded to the person on X, but I'm thinking <laughs> that's, the, that's the type of person that doesn't know what responsible ga- gaming is or gambling is and how you don't have to force bets or have to have a bet on every single game that's on that day. It's also probably the same person that loves people who definitely encourages same game parlays and puts out like these massive, you know, like same game deals that hit and they're like eight, 10 things. And he's probably all in for that and doing that on every single game. You don't have to be, you don't have to bet every single game. I mean, I would like to, I'd like to have action on all these bowl games every single day, but I'm not, I'm not doing it. I mean, it's, it's too unpredictable with the bowl season. So why force bets? Absolutely. Mo and I were preaching bankroll management, just being smart whether it's bowl games or NFL and people getting cash for the holidays, maybe even sportsbook gift cards. Just keep that in mind. Great advice from Mitch. And now we move on to the NFL. We're going head to head on this one, Mitch, with the Falcons at the Bears, Chicago, right around a three point favorite total between 37 and a half, 38. I bet Atlanta yesterday getting the key number three, but you're looking to lay it with the Bears. So why am I going to lose with the Falcons on Sunday? Well, uh, don't mind me either. So to read notes, I got to put uh, glasses on uh, at my advanced <laughs> age. 
Um, you know, the here, here's the, what I like about the Bears. And I will say this, that, you know, another thing here, too, like uh, a rule to live by this late in the season in the NFL, just because a team has to win a game or they need to win a game, it doesn't mean they're going to win. It doesn't mean that they're going to cover for sure. So keep that in mind uh, when you make your bets this late in the NFL season. Having said that, like the Falcons definitely need as many games. They have to win out. They need some help here. So they're not going to be like punting on the season. They're not going to be tanking. Arthur Smith is probably coaching for his job still. Uh, but I do like the, the way the Bears have been playing. And with the, you know, I'm going to call the unknown of what their future looks like. Let's be honest. Eberflus is still probably coaching for his job. And Justin Fields has two more weeks to prove what they're going to do. Uh, in the future with, with the quarterback position. And also, I think, like, this team with Green Bay on deck, something tells me they want to get revenge for what happened to them in week one. They can't stand losing to their intra-division rival. And then how Jordan Love kind of mocked him again. And Rodgers came out, in fact, and said, I texted him after the game and said, you know, congrats on the win. You know, we're still their daddies, that kind of deal. I think the Bears are going to want to win that game. And I think they're going to want to win out. Because they can they can have a little leeway with that pick in the draft because they're going to get the Panthers pick overall. So, I mean, it doesn't matter where their pick lands. They're still going to probably get the normal pick overall, overall in the draft. Um, and the way this team has been playing uh, in the last month or two of, of the season, since they picked up Montez Sweat, and this is before week nine, some of the advanced numbers, and I heard you rattling this stuff off for the Falcons before I popped on, but EPA per play, defensively, the Bears are third. Passing EPA, they're third. Explosive pass percentage, they're second. Pressure percentage, they're third. Rushing yards allowed per game, they're fourth. So they have all these numbers, and I could go on and on and on with like four or five more categories where they are either top three to top five and maybe top ten, like everywhere across the board. Now, the quarterbacks they have faced in that time, Derek Carr, Bryce Young, Jared Goff twice, Joshua Dobbs, Flacco, and Murray – so some decent starters there, but also guys who are trash, right? Uh, I know you made the case that Heineke is better than Ritter. I think he is as well. It's a very small sample size. This year alone, total EPA per play, he's behind Drew Locke, Gardner Minshew, and Will Levis. Passing EPA per play, he's only ahead. He's ahead of just barely Desmond Ritter and Sam Howell. He's behind Aiden O'Connell, Jimmy G, and Will Levis. So I think the Bears have a lot to play for. So do the Falcons, don't get me wrong. But I love the form that this team is in right now defensively. And I just I think that with Fields playing for an edge here with an edge to keep his job, I don't think he wants to unless he wants to, he's OK with moving on. I don't think so. Um, I do like the Bears here laying the three and the Falcons have just been to me. They're so untrustworthy this year. Like every game has been lined pretty much where this game is at. Right. Between like two and a half or three, the way it seems for every single game. <laughs> and I'm just I'm not an Arthur Smith guy. I don't think he's. I don't think Eberflus is great either, but I just I don't like the makeup of this Falcons team, so I like the Bears here in this spot. Yeah, you aren't kidding about those Falcons lines. <laughs> they really are all all right about there, and they always get action too. Usually, like down to two and a half every time, and then bounces back to three. I don't know what to do with this one, so you guys enjoy your uh, enjoy your sweat there. Um, <laughs> one that I have uh, is the Panthers. I did go ahead and take some seven on the Panthers. I don't know what's going to happen with Trevor Lawrence, but uh, are you going to back me up on this one or am I a fish like Eli? No, uh, are you officially? Um, I I was thinking about it for like two days and I go in and I do our show from Cirque every day. And I'm staring at the board. I'm like, it's seven. I'm like, I, 
thinking to myself, is there any chance it goes to seven and a half? And I'm like, maybe if Lawrence definitely comes back and he's okay in practice, but maybe not. So I never pulled the trigger yet. Um, obviously because of his shoulder, he did, did not practice Wednesday. He was limited today, the way it sounds. CJ Beathard was in full. Um, I do have some question marks on the Panthers defense regarding the injury report. Like I would love to know if JC Horn's going to play, if Frankie Lupo is going to play some others as well. If they were, um, if I knew that information right now, I would definitely have this uh, in pocket or would have a couple of days ago, I said. So but if it gets back up to seven, um, I will be on the Panthers definitely in this game. I have not seen what the contest numbers out are out um, yet in Las Vegas. If the Jags are seven, I will be on the Panthers in this game. Again, this is a team that because of that trade with the Bears, they don't have that first round pick. So it doesn't matter if they lose out because they're not going to miss on Caleb Williams or Drake Mate anyway, right? So again, they fired the coach. The, the the new staff there is trying to do whatever they can to you know make it look good down the stretch. And I think Bryce Young, I actually made the case a couple of weeks ago that they needed to sit Andy Dalton because you were just maybe going to destroy this kid mentally. But against a bad Packers defense last week, it looked good, you know, for um, most of that game. And he threw for more than 300 yards. I think a Jags defense is kind of in the same boat as the Packers. I don't trust this Jags defense has been terrible for a long time now. And I think, you know, these are pros that we're talking about. Uh, they have some pride. They've been embarrassed this year. I think the, pa- the Panthers are going to come out. And if, if that number goes back up to seven, Mo, uh, I'm going to be definitely in the same boat with you. And I'll grab that. I'll grab the number then. Yeah, a little bit concerning, I think, that the Jags do get a little more pressure, I think, than Green Bay. And, and we have seen Bryce Young take too many sacks, I think, in a lot of spots. But I still I still like it. Another interesting quarterback situation in uh, Chargers-Broncos. I got a really good number here on Broncos, minus three. But market going back up, I think, rightfully so, having some common sense here that there's probably not a whole lot of points between uh Stidham and and Russell Wilson and what are your thoughts on that move and do you think the value is all gone or do you think there was any value in the first place on that uh oh, low low buy on the Broncos or initially on, on the Chargers even at five and a half yeah I know in my opinion you did the right move there and uh you got it at three and now that we're seeing it go back up and I think um other sharps were doing the same exact thing where I noticed this anyway, like on social media, they're like, I don't get the overreaction. That was my first thought too was, so Denver just said adios to Russell Wilson. And I know that you could probably come at me with some of his advanced numbers and say, well, look at this. It looks, you know, the numbers are actually pretty decent. And he didn't have like a miserable year, but he's also like not taking that many chances down the field. Um, And it's not the same Russell Wilson that we watched you know, as recently as like three years ago when he was in the MVP mix, the way it felt like every single year, not the same exact guy. So I don't, I didn't get that drop off. I mean, it was dropping already. So then when it went to three, you're telling me that from the opening number, there's that big of a difference between Russell Wilson and Jared Stenham. I just, I couldn't get into that when all things considered here, maybe lopping Wilson off here at the head is going to be a good thing in this locker room. And for Sean Payton, we've seen Stenham before in spots like this, now, every game didn't go swimmingly, but he did show last year the Niners game. I mean, everybody in the world was betting San Francisco when they came out here to Las Vegas. They thought the Niners were going to keep rolling, and that was on New Year's Day. And that this stadium here in town was 85% Niners fans. The kid was awesome. Um, so he's, he has shown that in the past. And, oh, by the way, 
why the respect for the Chargers? I don't get that because they just gave the Bills the game. Okay, well that I mean we've been there, uh, you know, around this for a while now. That happens. You, a team gets a bump the next game following the release of the head coach or the changing of the guard there, and and this team quit and wanted nothing to do with playing in that game against the Raiders on that Thursday night. Then they followed it up with that, you know, near win at home against Buffalo. So that was the good that they had in their system. Well, now that's probably gone, and they only have two games left on the season. This feels like a Nick Van Exel 1-2-3 Cancun game to me, <laughs> uh, or the final two games. Keenan Allen, why would he play? Why would he force it to come back? He did not practice again with the heel. Joshua Palmer did not practice concussion protocol. I get it. Cortland Sutton, the concussion protocol stemming from um, the, the loss against the Patriots as well. And Joey Bosa was limited. But the Chargers are one of the worst teams in football. The Broncos are not. So that overreaction, I thought, was way too much to come all the way down to three. And I think now this market move back in the Broncos is appropriate. And speaking of movement and backup quarterbacks, too, Steelers at Seahawks. Injuries to keep an eye on on both sides with Micah Fitzpatrick not practicing. One of the best safeties in the NFL for Pittsburgh. On Wednesday, Devon Witherspoon was quote-unquote limited in the walkthrough for Seattle. On Wednesday, so key injuries in the secondary for each team. Mason Rudolph getting his second straight start for the Steelers and also injury-wise with the Seahawks offensive line. Both guards are banged up. The tackles are very vulnerable against TJ Watt and this explosive Pittsburgh pass rush. So do you think the Steelers keep this going, Mitch, or does Seattle continue its surge for a potential NFC wildcard spot? Yeah, I'm a, uh, you know, I'm not going to, I don't want to get nuts here with what Mason Rudolph did last week. Um, I can definitely see that coming back to the pack. I mean, that's a bad Bengals defense. He's throwing the ball against and Pickens made it look way too easy. Uh, but I don't, I'm not in love with the Seahawks team. Um, you mentioned the injuries there in the secondary. It doesn't look great for Devin Witherspoon. And I would actually say that maybe Jamal Adams missing would be a good thing for the defense. Jordan Brooks also missing practice again. Uh, could be big overall, but when you look at Mike at Mike Tomlin over the years, uh, and in this spot, um, as an underdog since 2018, 29 and 16 ATS, that's 64.4%. When you break it down a little bit more, um, as an underdog from week five moving forward, he's 47, 23 and two ATS, and he is uh, basically the best coach in the last 20 years as a dog. And there's some other stuff as well. When they have extended rest, they're 14, six and one ATS since 2018 in here. And I know the, the, the Minka injury would be a big one, obviously they're secondary. And, you know, I don't have full trust in, in uh, Mason Rudolph, obviously, but it's just this spot here with the extended rest and trusting Tomlin over the years. Again, they can still make the playoffs if it plays out well and uh, they get some breaks. Same thing for the Seahawks. I get that, but North of a field goal here with the Seahawks, um, I, I bet that one earlier in the week, and that will, if it's three and a half in the contest, I'll certainly be on Pittsburgh as well. I need Seattle to win the game, so hopefully uh, hopefully Seattle by three then. <laughs> Do you have a uh, win total over? I have Seattle playoffs minus yeah. 115 or something. I I can't recall. It was from the preseason. Not not a huge I, one, but. I'm with you. I have, um, I laid a buck 40 on over eight and a half wins, so 
I mean, the Arizona game in week 18 kind of scares me. I, 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 w- I mean, right. Yeah, you're exactly right. A Seahawks win by three here would be a perfect scenario. That's the big one, no matter <laughs> what for them is that Arizona one, like they can maybe afford to lose this one, depending on what else, right. ha- but they really need to win that last, uh, NFC game for tiebreakers. Yep. Uh, so yeah, switching over to college real quick to finish up. Give us your college football playoff takes. Michigan, Alabama. Uh, sounds like we might be opposite sides all in because uh, I put an uncomfortable amount on Michigan. Oh, did wow. you really? Okay. I have. Uh, so I do this every single year in college football. When a team loses their first game, the overreaction to their uh, f- future odds, uh, or maybe not the overreaction, but the big bump that you get. And I did that with a couple of teams this year. I did it with. Oklahoma, which was no good, obviously. I did it with uh, Oregon, which got close to being in the playoff, but also Alabama. When Alabama was 25 to 1, I'm like, ah, it's too good to pass up because they can possibly run the table here. Um, and so the reason why I like them a lot is because Michigan, I mean, their best non conference game was against UNLV, probably by a mile. That, in fact, that was probably their hardest game that they had in the first eight weeks of the season. I think the Big Ten is trash. I think it's the worst maybe it's ever been beyond the top three teams. I'm a Big Ten guy. I grew up in Wisconsin that the big 10 West was laughably bad this year. Um, so I didn't think, I don't think they played many teams. I don't think Penn state's very good. And what Michigan did at the end of that game by never throwing the football. And then basically McCarthy not doing much against Ohio state. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Like he's going to have to throw the ball against this Alabama defense. And when you look overall at their schedule compared to Bama's schedule, it's a number one over, overall schedule in the entire country. Hardest is what I'm talking about. Michigan has not seen a quarterback anywhere close to Jalen Milrow. The five-star recruits are all on one side. And plus when you give Nick Saban this much time, he's like the best coach ever. When his team has like a month to prepare, he's automatic or has been really, really good at covering some of these numbers. So um, I not only have Alabama 25 to one to win the national title, I've been adding, you know, tickets on Alabama um, ever since this bowl game ever since it came out. And you know that this is not one of these wonky bowl games played on December 18th. So, you know, they're going to be all in both teams are obviously, so it's going to get, you know, in theory, both teams best shot, but I really, really trust Nick Saban in Alabama here. So if you had heads here on beat the closing number, we may have to come up with some odds between the three games, whether Mitch from Beeson or Mo and I come out on top, stay tuned for that. But Mitch, you mentioned you're from Wisconsin. And just to kind of wrap it up, I love to do this with guests, especially for our audience that isn't familiar with you, to get a sense of how you broke into the sports betting industry. Because everybody's path, as you well know, is so different. And you come from sports talk radio over in San Francisco, not to give it away, but how did you get to this point now with VSIN and one of the best sports betting shows, if not the best, around? Well, you know, growing up, uh, I was always like, into the gambling. I got it like as a kid, a little bit, my dad would always have bring tickets home for bowl games and NFL games. Like, I mean, 35 years ago or whatever. And then, you know, finding the parlay cards when I'm in college at local bars that would let you in when you're 18 and 19 years old, even without an ID. Um, and so they would be like, Hey, what do you want to look at these? You want to come over to the magic area and see what parlay cards look like? Of course, come on, let's get started. So I've always been intrigued by it, you know, growing up when I was younger. And then I originally moved out to Las Vegas in 2001 uh, working at the ESPN affiliate out here in town. And that quickly turned into, uh, well, 2003, I was doing an NFL pregame show uh, on Sunday mornings, and it would be all gambling. 
And then that was at Lake Las Vegas, which had a great setup. It was a far drive, but it had a tremendous setup with their TVs. And then the next week, the next year, I should say, Jay Cornegay and uh, the crew from Imperial Palace moved over to then the Las Vegas Hilton, which is now the Westgate. And they wanted that pregame show on from the Hilton at the time. And I hosted that for a long time before I moved to San Francisco. And then when I moved back to Las Vegas, I did the same thing for another four years, I think, before VSync became a. And so that's why, you know, the people who put, who came up with the idea, like Brian Musburger or Bill Lady, um, when they came up with the idea for VSync, they were listening to podcasts and radio shows and like reading in newspapers and whatever else. And so they uh, were listening to, I think, us on local radio and like that Sunday morning pregame show and how it was all gambling. And that's all we talked about. We bring Jay Cornegay on and we, they would talk about Sunday morning, the big bets that are coming in from respected bettors and why the lines are moving, et cetera. So and, you know, we've always been when it was illegal, I guess, everywhere else but Las Vegas. We've always had like at least a tinge of gambling talk. And that's like we would have specific shows towards sports betting, but also like just like during our regular shows, we would talk. I mean, the mayor, Oscar Goodman, would come on and talk about his three best bets of the week. I mean, it was just it was awesome, you know. And so to get to this point now is um, it's pretty cool. It's great stuff. Mitch Moss at Mitch Moss Radio on X, host of Follow the Money on VSIN, the first ever sports betting network. Really appreciate the time, Mitch. Good luck. To your Crimson Tide, obviously you got a lot tied into Alabama futures and obviously the pre-flop bet. So Mo will shoot you a tweet or just isolate himself if it is a blowout in Alabama's favor. <laughs> Thanks for having me on, guys. Happy New Year and uh, best of luck as well other than the Michigan ticket. That was Mitch Moss. And Mo, how much are you going to be sweating on New Year's Day night during Alabama-Michigan is the question that I have to ask, especially after that conversation. And uh, you said you have an uncomfortable amount on the Wolverines. It's a large wager. I'll listen to my own advice, maybe, and not add to it during the game. I don't know. I just, <laughs> I, I think Michigan is by far better than Alabama. And I, looking at like their results on the season, I just cannot believe that this game is considered a flip in the market because. Alabama escaped against mediocre teams multiple times and Michigan beat everybody by 30 basically every week. So I am going to be very surprised if Alabama wins, but uh, Nick Saban made me look silly before, but we'll see. We'll see how it goes for me. And if you want to tail Mo on the Wolverines or fade back, Mitch, whichever you, the route you would like to go with, you could use promo code, the lines with BetMGM Sportsbook. If you've never done so, if you've never Bet with BetMGM. Use promo code THELINES, one word, to get up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet loses. Remember that bonus bets are not equivalent to real money. And as always, terms and conditions apply. You can find all of our bets in real time in the Discord channel. The link is over at thelines.com in the top right-hand corner. Also, play.thelines.com for our free NFL contest for Week 17 and the like to win Amazon gift cards. So be sure to sign up for that. Mo, any last words before we get out of here? Go blue. That's my only last words. And uh, I'll, I'll be, it'll be a good day. It'll be a, a nice Monday, New Year's, hang out with the boys, watch the games. Just hope uh, Michigan doesn't make me look silly. Uh, Harbaugh, this is your time, buddy. You've been, 
wrecked in these big games multiple times for the Big Ten. Man, that hurt me to listen to Mitch dump on the Big Ten. But if he says he's a Big Ten guy, I'm going to let it slide. <laughs> Mo the Jim Harbaugh stand. I never think I'd see or hear the day I am rooting for his brother, John Harbaugh. Ravens have a shot to wrap up a number one seed in the AFC playoff picture. I have those Ravens futures from May. Mo, you have your Bills futures at a pretty big number. So hopefully the Bills continue to surge here and maybe we'll get a Bills Ravens AFC championship game. Who knows? But thanks for watching and listening to another edition of Beat the Closing Number. As always, for Mo and myself, Eli Herskovich, follow us on X Twitter whatever Elon Musk likes to call it these days. So long, everybody. Happy New Year and good luck with your NFL Week 17 bets.